welcome to another episode of You Are Not A Frog, Default To Happy. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Giles P. Croft, an ex-surgeon who changed his life through an epiphany. He now works with people to help them understand their thinking and help them beat stress and burnout. And this episode is all about how to stop the secondary suffering that we get by layering a lot of thinking on top of everything. Now, Giles has a theory that uh, as humans, our default setting is to be at peace and happy. So why do we mostly not feel like this. So listen on to find out why we so often default to stressed and anxious. Find out how to stay more in the present moment and find out a few simple truths that many of us miss in the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, doctors and other busy professionals in high stress jobs. Even before the coronavirus crisis, many of us were feeling stressed and one crisis away from not coping. We felt like frogs in boiling water, overwhelmed and exhausted. But this has crept up on us slowly, so we hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. And let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices. Stay and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog. And that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, turn executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I work with doctors and other organisations all over the country to help professionals and their teams beat stress and take control of their work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to survive and thrive in our work and lives. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? then it's time to get your life back. And that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. It's brilliant to have with me on the podcast today, Dr. Giles P. Croft. Now, Giles is a medical doctor, originally trained as a surgeon, and now he works with individuals and groups to help them better understand why they think, feel and behave as they do. Giles, is that an accurate description of what you do? Yeah, it's a little bit difficult to put into a pithy little sentence. But yeah, when I left clinical practice years ago, about 16, 17 years ago now, I went off and had various different career adventures, things outside of medicine, and was always really drawn to what made people tick, really kind of drawn to the, I did a I intercalated, did a psychology degree, uh, was fascinated by all that. So I've just kind of like got pulled back into that really. So yeah, yeah, what, um, how we experience the world and how understanding it better can help us to have a better experience of it. So what does that mean you do on a sort of day-to-day basis? Oh, so I do one-to-one work with people and whether that's over Zoom or I live on the edge of the Brecon Beacons, so I do a fair bit. I do like walk and talks with people, so we go out into the hills, which is a great place to sort of get down out of our habitual thinking and back into real life. 
And I, yeah, you know, I run courses. I do sort of a regular, I do a regular drop-in stream session called Wellbeing Wednesdays. And yeah, seem to spend an inordinate amount of time online as we all do these days. Yeah, it's the thing, isn't it? We talk about virtual fatigue and all that. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it'd be really good to have you on for my listeners because this podcast is all about resilience. It's all about the small changes that we can make to make life better and to help us thrive without having to leave the you know the jobs that we're already in many of us are professionals working in high stress jobs we have a lot of doctors a lot of managers people in in law accountancy all, all those sorts of professions where I should be trained for so long to be in this profession and we, we don't want to have to leave but we've got this sneaking suspicion that life isn't quite as it should be and many many of us are feeling quite burnt out and mm. I guess particularly as we're coming out of lockdown as life is beginning to return I would say to normal but it's not normal it's not normal at all it's so so different I mean what's your experience been of lockdown and coronavirus and all that well it's um I think it's been a real certainly in the work that I do which is pointing people back to their innate resilience pointing people back to their innate health to the fact that we have this sort of almost default state of peace of mind and calm and secure and happy and healthy and it's pointing people back to that and so I think we're going to get through we're going to get through to the other side and we're all going to have like tons of evidence of that in ourselves because we'll be able to look back and we'll be able to think well hang on a minute that was a that was a pretty terrible time there was a whole load of stuff that happened and if you told me in advance what was going to happen, I probably I'd have lost my mind. I'd have been like, oh, my, I'd have been running around like a headless chicken. And I'd have thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to cope with that. And yet here I am and I'm here in another moment and life goes on and I'm OK. And so I think it's a real opportunity for people to, to, to really see just how resilient they are and to see that there's nothing that they really need to do to experience that you know they don't have to like add anything you know as humans this is the great thing as humans you know we come into the world with it all it doesn't get taken away from us it just kind of like gets covered up and for me the work that I do is helping people to see through all of the thinking and the beliefs that we have that covers up that very natural state of health and happiness I'm really interested in this idea of our default setting and I, I'd never really thought of that, you know, before. And there's a very funny video on Facebook of someone who going back to tell them their pre-lockdown selves what they need to get. You know, you should get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about the gym. You know, you're going to watch lots of Netflix. It's going to be fine. But, uh, you know, if we had known this was coming, we'd really panic. It would have been we'd have had a countdown to the day, wouldn't we? And would have been like, what are you done to prepare for lockdown? And lots of people have got very stressed about it. A lot of anxiety about it. It happened. And yes, it's not been great. And lots of people have had some real traumas and troubles and stuff. But actually, we are all OK. And we've and coped it, and we've survived. Isn't that the nub of it? I mean, I'm reminded just hearing you speak then of that, uh, the, when they broadcast the HG Wells War of the Worlds thing on the radio. When it first, when War of the Worlds was written and it, and it first went out, it went out as a radio show. And people were running they heard it on the radio but it was broadcast as if it were actually happening 
and people were running down to Horsley Common where it's set with guns and uh, pickaxes and <laughs> really <laughs> because yeah yeah and it wasn't even happening and you know if that ain't a metaphor for how we live our lives I don't know what is you know we create a bunch of stories about how life is and we act as if those stories are real mm-hmm. and they're simply not and the more that people can see through that the more that they live with ease and peace of mind yeah that's very true I often in, in my training when I'm talking about our threat detection response we're often unfortunately not responding to actual threats but responding to perceived threats and we're pre-living mm. this stuff never actually happen so a lot of our anxiety and stress is to do with what might happen in the future what's going to happen if if this happens and if that happens and actually the the truth is no nobody knows what's going to happen in the future and you can never I mean I have this mantra that the things that you worry about never happen it's the things that you don't worry about that's what comes and blindsides you in life certainly in, in my life the most traumatic things happen to me stuff I would never never have predicted would happen i think those are probably stories for another day but <laughs> and again, we get through them. Ones. you do we get we get through them you know we've it's this is the funny thing about being human is we've got all the evidence of this right under our noses and yet we still fall for the illusion thinking that our belief systems and and our thinking is more real than it actually is so tell me a little bit more about this default state that we're in so you believe that we are our default state is to be at peace and to be happy. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And look, we've all experienced this. It's because because it, it's now. You know, there's no getting away from the fact that it's now, that life is happening now. There's nothing else. Like any, the, the future, that's a concept. That's a thought in our heads that's happening now. And when the future arrives, like if I think, you know, 3 p.m. tomorrow, well, when 3 p.m. tomorrow arrives, well, it's no longer the future, it's now. And so, which is why there've been, you know, dozens and dozens of books written about the present moment and, you know, all throughout the history of time, people have been, you know, all the sages have said how important it is to live in the present moment. But it's not so much about trying to be more present. It's really seeing insightfully that actually there isn't anything else. And so those fears that we have about the future that really look, I mean, it's such a brilliant illusion they really look like they're giving us a whole bunch of information about what may or may not happen in the future but the future is an imagination that's happening right now so they can't be telling us about the future all those feelings can be telling us about is what's actually going on in our heads right now and to really experience that default setting is that happens in a present moment because that's all there is with a quiet mind and kind of like seeing through the illusion just seems to from you know what I've experienced myself and working with clients and stuff seeing through that illusion really really getting it in your bones that we're walking around in this kind of like almost like we're all in our little separate realities or all our, our little internal sort of almost like virtual realities that we're walking around in. the more that we can see through that the quieter that thinking gets, the quieter all of the, the chattery minds that we're so used to, that we don't notice half the time because it's so, it's so omnipresent, you know, it's there all the time and it's, it's got our voice, <laughs> it's like, which isn't helpful. It's in our voice, so it really seems like us. 
So when that chatter dies away, when we see through that for what it is, which is just chatter, well, that's when we come back to the present moment. And, you know, we've all experienced it. We've all experienced it in totally different situations. You know, we might experience it looking at an amazing sunset. But then similarly, we might also experience it in the middle of a crash call when we're so in the flow that we're not actually, we've not engaged our analytical mind at all. We're just in the flow of life. We're in that present moment. And that's when we can feel we can feel supremely calm in some of the most, you know, what externally looks like a really stressful situation. So you're saying that our stress is almost 100 percent caused by what we're imagining might happen in the future rather than what's actually happening now. Yeah. Any time we take ourselves out of the present moment to think about the past or the future or how we are or what this means for me or any time we take ourselves out of the present moment well it's like the feelings that we have this is the beauty of feelings for me is that they're gently pointing us back to that saying no whoa there Giles you you know you're getting this feeling of uh, fear about the future because that's a story mate and this is the beauty of feelings so this is when all of a sudden you start seeing you start seeing these what we classically think of as unhelpful feelings are actually really, really helpful because they're just gently pointing us to the fact that we're no longer in reality, which is now right under our nose. We're off in a story. Stories aren't real. So I'd like to offer you a yes, but here stories aren't real, but you do need to plan. And you do need to respond to your experience. I'm just thinking of being a GP when actually for safety netting, to make sure the patient stays safe, you need to worry. You need to think, oh, but what might happen in the future? And here's what to do if, if this happens. And if this, you know, so isn't worrying quite wise? Does that not keep us and everyone else safe? Sure answer, no. And planning, yeah, planning is necessary. Pl- mm-hmm. Planning is, you know, planning is good. Planning is something we've all, and hell, you know, squirrels plan, don't they? You know, they collect nuts for the, they could, so it's a, you know, it's a thing, all right? It's planning. So long as we see that the, the, and it's, a, it's an amazing ability that we have as humans to be able to project our thinking into the future and make a best guess on probability and then make some decisions in the present moment about that now there's a difference between that and worrying about something in the future though there's a bit there's a big difference and what i've seen with clients is that the more they see the the truth of what's going on it's like yeah it's fine to project like if i want to go on holiday for instance if i want to go and stay in france somewhere it absolutely makes sense for me to not just turn up at the ferry and hope that i can get on it makes sense to book a ticket and similarly with with, with accommodation but if i use that tool to kind of like create a bunch of scenarios about what that holiday is going to be like and how i'm going to feel when I'm on that holiday, then I'm using the wrong tool for the job entirely. And the, actually the last holiday that I had, I had more fun planning it than I did have when I was on it. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you where you went. <laughs> so yeah, you know, planning's fine, but planning happens now. Planning happens now. And all we're doing is we're, 
we're making a, a guess on probability of, you know, I can I can pretty much guarantee that the sun's going to rise tomorrow, but I can't tell you what I'm going to be thinking or feeling in five minutes time. So any plans that I make on the basis of that are they fall into the worrying category and they're not helpful. What if you've had an experience in the past? So if you've maybe had an experience with someone, they're very difficult. You've got to go and have a difficult conversation with them, give them some feedback and you know that they're going to be tricky again and it might be really awkward you know i i wonder whether you know our our amygdala our threat detection system is sort of set up to warn us about that to help us well i guess it's to change our behavior and i guess it's i'm talking myself out of this as i speak it's, <laughs> the amygdala is there to change your behavior in the present isn't it to be able yeah. to plan and, and change it rather than to think oh what if what if what if yeah. what if yeah so that difficult conversation, you know, you've, you've got a future component and a past component to that. And you've got a future component, oh, it's happening in half an hour. So you can, you can, you can spend time living in the story of what that might go like. Now, you've got no, you know, with the best will in the world, even if you think you're, even if you think you know what that conversation is going, going to go like, you don't know what that conversation is going to go like the more you go into a conversation expecting it to go a particular way chances are it's probably going to go a bit more that way because again you know it's your your behavior is predicated on the thinking and the feelings that you have so if you go in there with no agenda and you go in with an open heart and you know really listen without expectation without judgment without the other person needing to be any particular way well the kind of experiences that we have then are very different from when we go in with a whole load of our our own thinking and our expectations so how do we get into the state where we can be like that because I think a lot of us we're in such busy jobs we're going from one thing to another to another to another you know how do you get this you've talked about a quiet mind which would be lovely <laughs> I guess that takes that takes practice doesn't it but a lot of us are just so busy haven't really got a lot of headspace to think about stuff and so I guess we are constantly living in the past or the future and and to me it, for some people it does seem like quite an effort to get them into that sort of present state where they have got a quiet mind where they can be completely present and empathetic and listen yeah it often think that the worst thing that can happen to somebody is to find something that works for them is to find a little technique that works for them that helps to center them because the minute we do that the minute we start attaching to coping mechanisms well then we're no good without them and we've lost sight of the fact that we have a psychological immune system we're homeostatic beings you know every single organ system in our body is operating around a mean and that includes our psychology, that includes our moods. And the more that we see that, the more we can stop fiddling around with it and let it go. And you say, you know, how can we have a quieter mind? Well, it's to get out of the way of our inbuilt human system doing that for us. You know, there's a reason that we say sleep on it. There's a reason that, you know, deep down we know that when we're in a filthy mood, it's not a good idea to send text messages. <laughs> It's not a good idea to actually hit send on that email that we've, that we've splurged out. There's something that holds us back. That's our human operating system. That's our wisdom saying, uh-uh, you are not seeing things clearly right now. Give it time. You'll settle down. And, you know, we wake up the next morning. And, you know, ma material reality, what's actually going on, the situation 
hasn't changed one iota and yet we've got a completely different perspective on it and we don't need to do anything and the more that we see there's nothing to do the more easily we let go of all the thinking we let go of the needs to manage our feelings we let go of the need to manage our thoughts because they don't need managing they're harmless and they settle themselves so rather than trying to do anything it's sort of a recognition that they are existing they're there and so it's more about ignoring is it yeah it's like you know you can have a particular train of thought and you can choose to take that to the nth degree you know you can jump on that train and you can follow it where it's going that's free will you know that's the choice and if it looks like us that that's going to be helpful and this is the thing when we get into, you know, habits and, and things like that, because it really looks like it's like, well, if I perform this this little routine five times in a row, then my child doesn't get hurt. Oh, therefore, it must be you know, we set up this little pattern in our heads. Therefore, it must be. And that's not true. And so, yeah, we can jump on those trains of thought. But the more that we understand that we're just experiencing life in thought moment to moment to moment and it can't hurt us and that our felt experience of life is a reflection of the state of mind that we're in at any given moment. Well, it just doesn't make sense to keep jumping on that train of thought and following it because it's not really going to do us any good. I get it. You'll push for time and with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops top five episodes sorry and leap into your happiest thriving self again just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz so what can we practically do though say if i, I like the you know the example you gave of being in a foul mood and also sending yeah. emails and texts there are lots of things that are conspiring to put us in a, a foul mood or as i would be talking about triggering us into the corner where our amygdala mm-hmm. flares up and sometimes Sometimes I just feel like I'm in a really bad mood and I start searching around for what caused that and why, why am I feeling that and what was the mm. problem? So you're saying that actually we should just completely ignore that? Just don't do that. Yeah. Well, again, you're, you're just creating a story. If I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling overwhelmed, which can happen, then it's like I've got a pair of overwhelmed goggles on. And everywhere I look, everything's going to be overwhelming. This has happened First person I speak to, my wife, the first thing that she asks me, I'm just completely overwhelmed by it. And I snap at her and I go into my office and I look at my desk and my desk is strewn with papers. And I look at it and I'm like massively overwhelmed by all of it. I've got like this horrible, overwhelmed feeling. Now, if I misattribute that feeling of overwhelm to my desk or to my wife or to my daughter or to the washing up downstairs or something, then I'm not seeing it clearly because six hours previously when I left my desk in exactly the same state that it was in beforehand when I was feeling overwhelmed, I was feeling inspired. I was feeling on it. I didn't want to tear myself away from the desk at all because my felt experience any moment is coming from 
my thinking. It's not coming from my circumstances. And so being aware of that is enough because, again, it just doesn't make sense for me to keep hanging on to that false notion that my sense of overwhelm is coming from my desk and all the papers on it. So being aware of what you're thinking and what you're feeling and feeling is just a really good sort of litmus test of what's going on with your thinking, I guess. Exactly. Absolutely reliable. It's like a like a little light on the dashboard that comes. It's got one job and one job only. And that job is to tell us about the quality of our thinking in that moment. Oh, I like that. So your feelings are like a light on a dashboard that tell you about what your thoughts are doing to you at the moment. What do you think of the the idea that your feelings point you towards your needs? Because I know I've talked to like there was a podcast I've just done with Shaney Langdon talking about ACT therapy, which I'm quite a big fan of. You know, the fact that you again, it's very much like you don't need to choose whether to fuse with your thoughts or not. Your feelings, you can accept your feelings. You don't need to fight them, but they're quite a good indication of what you need. And then you can then make changes going forward. What what do you think about that? Yeah, so as well as our happiness and our peace of mind and not getting caught up in our thinking and all the good stuff that comes with that. Well, we find other things in that space as well. And those other things are our creativity and there are intuition and we'll always be doing what makes sense to us in any given moment. So if I feel thirsty, that's a need, I guess. I'll have a feeling of thirst. Well, there's an awareness there that I'm thirsty. I can choose to go and get a cup of water or not. I think where things get more complicated is when we don't see that we're maybe in the middle of a story and that the feelings are coming from all of that thinking that we've got because feeling is thought, thought is feeling, as opposed to the, I like to call it the, the quiet flute the quiet flute in the orchestra of, uh, of intuition. And, you know, that intuitive voice for me was the way into all of this because I did all these different career changes and leaving medicine and going off and working for a cycling magazine and opening a shop with my wife. And, and I've always been led by that intuitive voice of ignoring the chatter, of ignoring all of the airbutts, of ignoring the narrative and really going with what feels right. So, yeah, I think I'm very in touch with that concept of our feelings telling us about needs. So long as we've kind of like identified whether or not we're just stuck in a whole bunch of repetitive thinking about something. Yeah, because I think you're right. There is a danger that you're feeling something and you think your feelings are the truth. So I'm a big culprit in this. I feel something and it's like, I've got to change. I've got to change something where I live, my job, but this actually, I'm just hungry. (laughs) Or there's just something's niggling me about something I'm not quite sure about it and it's it's going on at me. And then I've solved it like, oh no, life life is okay again. It wasn't that after all. It's amazing, isn't it? How when, when we're in a low mood, everything seems really urgent. When we're in a low mood, it really looks like we need to do something. And for me, the biggest difference that in anyone's life that they can see is to see what those feelings are telling them, that those feelings aren't telling them to act. Those feelings are telling them to not act. Those feelings are telling them to wait until their thinking settles, until their mood Mm -hmm. settles and they're seeing life more clearly and then act. Nothing good comes Mm -hmm. out of acting in a low mood. 
Yeah. So don't make any decision on an empty stomach. Don't make any decision <laughs> when you've got a low, when you're having a really low mood, because yeah. probably your judgment's going to be clouded. Yeah. What would you say to someone, you know, so a lot of my listeners are doctors, other professionals in really high stress jobs. Say if they've made a really high stakes mistake and there's a complaint come in. Right, that is pretty much one of the most stressful things I think can happen. What would you say to them? You know, what could they do? How could you help yeah. them? Because yeah. that just, uh, you know, in my own experience, it overwhelms your thinking and your mm. feeling for days, weeks and even months. Mm. Yes, I get it. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, this isn't to say that that difficult circumstances don't arise. Of course, difficult circumstances arise now. You can go down two paths with that. You can accept what's happened. You can accept that, yeah, there's likely some more stuff that's going to happen in the future. However, my experience of all of that is happening now and all of that is happening in thought. And again, you know, there's a train of thought here. You can very, very easily jump on a train of thought. But we know instinctively, we know, we know when we do really need to act on something. And, and and we know when we're just, you know, endlessly worrying about something. You know, I'm sure we've all had that experience where we've got a problem that we want to solve and we're thinking, we're thinking, we're thinking about it, we're thinking about it and we've almost got it's like it's on the tip of our tongue. And we honestly think if I just put a bit more effort into thinking about this, I'm going to come up with the solution and it never happens. And when it does happen is when we're in the shower we're playing with our kids or something and we stop thinking about it and then the solution comes it's just about knowing the right tool for the job really so yeah circumstances happen i think understanding what circumstances are seeing the gap between circumstances and how we think or seeing the missing link i mean the missing link is thought seeing that it's not the situation that's scaring us is what we think about the situation that's mm. actually scaring us that that's where our feelings are coming from yeah and, what, and that what, applies to any circumstance yeah i guess and what stories in your head you're telling yourself a lot of my work is helping people understand those those stories that we just you know and i guess with it with a complaint or a mistake yes it's happened and yes mm. there may be some consequences but often we've increased our own suffering so much because mm. of the stuff we're telling ourselves like i shouldn't have done that mm. and a good doctor would never have done that or a, a good lawyer would have spotted that and i'm a terrible person and they're going to think i'm a terrible person and i'm never going to work again and all this sort of stuff when actually the truth of the matter is everyone makes mistakes it could have happened to anybody you try your best you don't always know what the best course of action is and you've you learned learn. from it yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's what we miss out on with our thinking is the learning that can occur mm. in all yeah. of this rather than thinking well, we spend a lot of time beating ourselves up and thinking i shouldn't have done that or it's, it's really dreadful rather than thinking mm. wow what a, a useful learning experience i now know how not to do that again and, and, and again, the mechanism of that isn't to kind of like to try and do that. It's not to try and reframe it because trying to reframe something, that's just adding a whole bunch more thinking on top of a thinking problem. So those moments of learning come with a quiet mind. Those moments of learning come with reflection. Those moments of learning come when we fall out of our habitual thinking, when we fall out of the stories and we're doing something completely unrelated and we'll have a conversation with something about something that's 
totally unrelated. And all of a sudden we'll have that insight. It will be like, oh yeah, that situation, that mistake I made, yes. And we have a new thought about it. We have an insight about it. And that's where we change. That's when we get a different perspective on the whole situation. It doesn't happen from actively thinking about it. That's interesting. So I think and I completely get that when you're distracted, when you're doing something different, that's when your brain starts, you know, thinking really creatively, problem solving. You're not conscious of it. Do you think that there's no role in active reflection then in thinking, actually, what's the truth here and how can I reframe? Because I think for, for some of my clients, that has actually been quite helpful. I think, again, it's like it's seeing the underlying operating system. It's, it's seeing how it works. Now, on top of that, there's a whole load of tools and techniques that will, you know, work, will work in inverted commas really well. Now, whether they're 100% reliable for somebody is another thing entirely. Like, I know, you know, if I'm in a foul mood, it's a really good idea to get out on my bike. It's a really good idea to get out on my bike. And I'll come back and I'll feel, usually I'll feel a lot better but not always so it's not the cycling that's doing it so the cycling is doing something now the cycling is actually calming my thinking about it the cycling is getting me out of the stories in my head getting me back into my heart getting me back into the present moment and that's what it's doing as soon as i attach my well-being to the cycling as soon as i attach my peace of mind to the cycling again i've set up another story that's not actually true. Okay. And then you feel disappointed if you haven't got out of the bad mood for the cycling because it's always worked in the past. Why is it not working now? Exactly. Exactly. That's quite difficult though, isn't it? To just be relying on things just to go back to default by norm, you know, without being able to do anything about it. As as doctors and professionals, we're used to taking action to make things better. And I think that seeing how it works, seeing the operators, seeing that these are principles, you know, this isn't like a technique or anything. This is just like, well, it just seems to be how we work, really. You know, we're we're built for the present moment. That's that's what we're actually built for. Means that we know that we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do the cycling, just like we don't have to do meditation or we don't have to do yoga. We don't have to have a beer. We don't have to go shop. We don't have to do a whole bunch of online shopping to make us feel better. Now, does that mean that we're not going to do any of those things and we're just going to sit, you know, in a cave, cross-legged chanting? No, but it means that, again, we're more in tune with our intuitive voice. We're more in tune with the soft flute. We're more in tune with the, oh, I've just got, I've just got, I've got an urge to put on that particular song. You know, mm. and we put that particular song on and five minutes later we've come out of our bad mood or mm. I've just got this real I've just got this real urge to just throw myself into cooking or something. Now, when you see what all of those things are doing, when you see that music and cooking and meditation and exercise and drinking heavily and taking drugs and shopping and gambling, when you see that all of those are working in exactly the same way to calm our thinking down well that's when you're free from them that's when you're free from them because we've got it all going on for us already we don't need any of those things we might just need a good night's sleep we might just need a fresh perspective on it and that's built in so asking yourself what is it that i need now yeah or what's the next best action that i could do now and and listen i like that idea of your intuition being that soft flute that you can listen to so I know exactly when I'm in a really bad mood yeah getting out on my bike is 
well, nine times out of ten, be absolutely brilliant, will really help. Yeah. But actually, if my intuition is saying, actually, you just need to sit down and listen to some music, probably better to listen to that than flogging mm. myself on my bike. I think it can be quite difficult. I'm just reminded of there's a really good comedy sketch. Oh, it's really ancient. I'll see if I can find the link to it. It's um, this old American comedian and he's pretending to be a psychiatrist and this woman I've comes in. It. You see it? Stop it. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, can you remember his name? Someone comes, lady comes in to see him, sits at the desk and goes, yeah. doctor, I just can't stop thinking about my intrusive thoughts that are coming in. And he just goes, well, stop it. And she goes, oh, and the other thing is, doctor, I just keep going out with really unsuitable men. And he goes, yeah. stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, and I can't stop eating all this chocolate. And he just goes, stop it. Yeah. And it's, it's very funny. But sometimes I think advice can be just like us sitting there going, well, just stop it. Mm. So how can we translate this into, because I think there's some absolute gold mm. nuggets here. But for people that are used to being action orientated, yeah, how can we get them out of the thought that we're just telling them to stop it? Maybe it's to see that we need to stop it with the action orientated stuff. Ooh. That's getting very meta now, Josh. Well, it's just it's just looking further upstream, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's seeing how it works. It's just seeing how it works. It's like we do it so that, you know, we're always doing what makes sense to us. We're always doing what makes sense to us. Now, we can try and we can try and change our circumstances in order to feel a particular way doesn't work like that sorry guys but mm. feelings don't come from outside of you they come from inside of you so you you want to you want you know it's a fool's errand that one we can try and change things or we can look further upstream we can look to how our human operating system works and we can have insights about that but then we don't need to change like for instance if my daughter got my daughter's room next door here so if she's scared of a shadow on the wall okay and she says daddy I want you to make the monster go away. I mean, you're a parent. What are you going to do? You're going to show her that it's just a shadow, aren't you? You're not going to go in there and say, okay, right, so here's something that you could do to, to stop you from being scared of that monster. Here's another thing that you could do to stop you from yeah. being scared of that monster. Yeah. You show her that it's a trick of the mind. You show her that it's a trick of the mind. And then she doesn't need any coping mechanisms because she's seen through the illusion she's seen through the illusion so all of the coping mechanisms that if we think that it's the coping mechanism that's helping us then all we're doing is we're reinforcing the illusion we're reinforcing the illusion that there's something to cope with when there's not it's a trick of the mind yeah that's a really good illustration of that so practically i always like to finish my podcast with asking people what three top tips they've got so without wanting to be too action orientated you know okay what three things would you like people to take away from this that you think would okay. you know be really influential for you ask yourself this question where do i think my feelings are coming from right now in any situation if the answer comes back as anything but thought in the moment it's wrong look at your hands regularly remind yourself that your hands are on the ends of your arms so they're always with you. Remind yourself that your hands are always in the present moment. You can't scratch your nose five minutes from now and you can't scratch your nose five minutes ago. So if you look at your hands, that reminds you, I'm in the present moment. Oh, okay. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. 
Sorry, waving at my daughter out the window. <laughs> She's with, just going, with my hands in the present moment. <laughs> That's not going to make any sense to those of you listening on the video. <laughs> it will do if you're watching the video. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So look at your hands. As a reminder that life is only ever happening now. And we're safe in the present moment. We're mm -hmm. safe in the present moment. And the present moment is all there is. And I think two's good enough. Yeah, I think we've got a couple in that in the last one. I think the present moment is all that there is. I think that's so important to remember and to come back and to, to ground ourselves. And when you're thinking about experiences, you know, what can you do to get the experience of, of the present moment to be more, more there for other people, for yourself, for your family, all that sort of stuff. And, stuff. and I think my third thing. Oh, you're sneaking be, in a third, third one. one I am. Right, I'll let you have well, it. Go on. Now that the listener has made it to the end of the podcast. Well done, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you made it sound like a challenge there. <laughs> yeah, they've not switched off. What yeah. is this nonsense? You're still here. Brilliant. It's, yeah. It's to go back and listen to it again. Seriously. Ooh. Because the because the stuff that we're talking about here, because change comes through insight, it mm -hmm. doesn't come through doing stuff. Because change comes through insight, I can pretty much guarantee that anyone who's listened through to this podcast through to the end, there'll have been a little few things like that will have really got them thinking differently is to then go back to the beginning and listen to the whole thing again, because you'll hear a completely different podcast. So there you go. And Brilliant. it will do wonders for your listenership. I was just thinking that. Get double get double the listening <laughs> figures. Suddenly, suddenly I'll I've got send double my invoice numbers. in the post. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, because you know when oh, we initially welcome. talked about this stuff, I was thinking, mm, don't quite get. It. I mean, yeah, I get the stuff about your thoughts, yeah, but I love yeah. the stuff about your default position is happy and it's at peace. And that takes nice. a lot of the stress off it, doesn't it? Because if it. I think sometimes we think our default position is stress, but default position is peace, and that's good to know. That makes mm. it a, an awful lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, less to do. I'm all for that. Yeah, me too. Most definitely. Brilliant. Giles, thank you. That's been great. And we'd love to have you back again at some point. Oh, I'd love to come back. Yeah. Talking about that. So if people wanted to contact you, how can they find you? Yeah, I've got, uh, I spend a lot of time on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me on Giles P. Croft on both of those. My website, which is going through a change, but that's gilespcroft.com. I've also got a YouTube channel. Yeah, I've got Ooh. tons of little videos on YouTube all about this stuff. That's good. Um, which is Dr. Giles P. Croft again. Okay. Well, if you send me the link, I will put it will in do. the show notes. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, and we'll speak again Pleasure. soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.